welcome, welcome, welcome to the Hoagie Hangover Podcast. My name is Andrew Alex. The first time in a long time, there's a football game that's going to be played this week. And for the first time in a long time, the boys are back in town. Mike McDaniel, off of paternity leave, live, as you guys listen to this recorded later. Live. From Northern Virginia. <laughs> How you doing, man? Papa McD. I'm good. I was trying to make my return actually a couple different times before this, um, but things get infinitely uh, more difficult to schedule when you're running on the schedule of an infant. So I knew that was going to be the case coming in. Um, it's been even a little bit more difficult than I had envisioned, but we're sitting here recording on Tuesday night at damn near 11 o'clock. I appreciate you guys being flexible, number one. But number two, it's really, really good to be back. Ricky LeBlue, who, despite probably being as busy as you've ever been, the most available this summer, still with us today. How you doing, man? It, it was a rough day at work. I'm not going to lie to you. But to be able to come home at... 11 o'clock at night like mike said and be able to do this podcast with the three of us knowing that in a few short days i will be sitting in the stands watching a virginia tech football game um very very excited hey i'm excited too a lot of things get me excited one of those things is prescription drugs That didn't take long. Where do I go to get prescription <laughs> drugs other than Main Street Pharmacy? Nothing gets Pharmacy. me more excited than my opiates. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Quick while we're ahead, but yes, Main Street Pharmacy <laughs> in downtown Blacksburg, the pharmacy you want to go to if you want a healthcare provider that truly cares about you, be a neighbor, not a number. Look no further than Main Street Pharmacy, Dr. Jeremy Counts and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need. Jeremy, Jeremy loved love that you. plug. I'll see you in free jeremy not this way. weekend but i'll see him for Boston College. so that's exciting but i guess you know a whole lot to go over here uh so where do we start in the justin fuente era it seemed like there were press conferences and combined with a whole lot of practices and a, a large lack of media access you kind of go into the first game blind. And though this regime has been better about media access, from what I've heard, because you know, I, I haven't been around Blacksburg that much this summer, but from friends that cover the team and all that, yeah, they were all wearing like unnumbered multicolored jerseys. So we didn't necessarily know what's going on. Suddenly the depth chart comes out today. And though there's not a ton of surprises, there are quite a few, you know, spaces on this roster where, and one in particular that we'll get into where it's like, okay, so that guy is not definitively going to start or not going to start at all because we kind of considered him to be a centerpiece of the team. Start with wide receiver. We're Jaden Blue, not listed with the ones. We have Caleb Smith. We have Dwayne Lofton, and then Steven Gosnell listed as your number three receiver. 
Then you have anyone want to take a shot at the walk-on's name before I look it up? William Kakavitsis. Kakavitsis. Greek. Which is just a phenomenal name, by the way. Hey, I wanted to score a touchdown so we can hear touchdown. Kakavitsis. It's uh it's it's the Greek version of Willie Byrne, I think. I think that's where we're at. I hope he's bigger. So. He's a little bigger than Willie. Yeah, I was gonna I say but... Willie was not six one. Yeah, yeah. Five, we are operating with very low information on Mr. Kakavitsis, but we just this is a trust the judgment moment. But nonetheless, I mean who he who let's be honest, did you know who he was? Yes. You did I did. I, yeah. Look, I did. Now, do I know anything about, about him and, and like what he can do? Absolutely yeah, a, not. Yeah, it's a separate thing. I was going to say like Fontel Mines had mentioned that he had mentioned like how impressive he had been in camp and how athletic he'd been. But he'd also been saying that about like true freshman Tucker Holloway, right? So like it's a matter of sifting through the coach speak, right? And trying to find out like what's true and what's not, which you don't really know until you get the depth chart. And then it's the beauty of coach speak, it's designed so you don't know what's true. What's well, not. <laughs> and then you get the depth chart and right at the top, it says Virginia tech unofficial depth chart. Right. And then you think about it a step further. And it's like, well, this is the old dominion game. I know Virginia tech shouldn't be taking anybody like lightly at this stage of the game, but like, this is not BC week two when it's an ACC game and the quality of the opponent is much better. So like you can only take some of this with a grain of salt. It's really going to be interesting though. Cause like what stood out to me immediately was Jaden blue, like being behind Juan Lofton, like Steven Gosnell, not totally shocking again. Like when he transferred in from Carolina coaching staff had been really high on him. It wasn't a huge surprise to see him in the two deep, but seeing him maybe starting was a little bit surprising, especially when like I'm thinking about an offense in terms of wide receiver with like I envision Caleb Smith, Jaden Blue, and then third receiver being Lofton. Like that's what I was thinking maybe the top three receivers would be. And then however they wanted to use Blumrick, because I refuse to believe that Connor Blumrick's going to be a hand in the dirt tight end, right? So that's kind of how I envisioned like the top three or four receivers like maybe that's how virginia tech would would line up you know if they're split like four wide so to see gosnell to see kakapitsis to see you know lofton over blue um it may mean something it may not mean anything right and i think that's kind of the beauty of it and i think we're going to learn a lot more when tech takes the field on friday night yeah i mean that's the whole mystery behind this right it's like you look at the offense right now and the offensive line should be if healthy decent we talk about potential injuries there and it could be a different story which by the way i don't think we need to go too deeply into this but seeing chaplin listed as the number one backup behind silas jancy that's you know maybe we'll see you know maybe he doesn't get a snap in the first couple of games but from the way it's listed on the depth chart that's something where you have a true freshman who the coaches raved about in press conferences. And it seems like there's a there there for lack of a better term. Cause I, I feel like we just got so used to the Fuente regime, for instance, last year, like Marco Lee is putting on a display in camp. We're starting to think, Oh man, maybe Marco Lee will be part of that running back rotation. So what's and, true. What's true. What's not like, yeah. Like, you know, to some degree, you're trying to hype up the guys in your room. 
to some degree, there may be a smoke and mirrors aspect to it. But nonetheless, you want to talk about smoke and mirrors. The most you have on any of these guys in terms of what they've done in orange and maroon is two years of Caleb Smith being like a rotational third wideout who didn't amount to much. I mean, like, you know, he, he had his moments, but he was playing third fiddle behind Robinson and Turner who were always going to be the number one and number two guy. And they had been since they were essentially true freshmen. Smith was from a macro perspective, looking at this team kind of an afterthought. Now he's your number one guy. Combine that with a quarterback and a completely new style of offense. We don't know how often they're going to rotate these receivers. I mean, for all we know, Jaden Blue, who we're, who we're saying is, you know, from the perspective of this piece of paper that they hand out, is cast aside. Maybe he's getting 40% of the snaps and has a huge game. And we come back next week talking about you know, the performance that he put on. Maybe he doesn't play at all. <laughs> like, we don't know how this coaching staff is going to utilize their personnel. We don't even truly know what the offense is going to look like. And we don't know what half these guys are made of. You know, you have Jaden Blue with a sample size of one good season at Temple and two that were underwhelming. That one good season at Temple got him, I, I suppose, the credibility that everyone came in assuming that he would be the guy at a minimum, one of the guys. And right now we don't necessarily know if that's the case. And on the other hand, Stephen Gosnell doesn't play at all at North Carolina in just his freshman and sophomore year, where at least his freshman year, you know, he's playing behind that dynamic offense with Sam Howell, where he was throwing to Diane Brown, they had Javante Williams in the backfield. You know, it, it's not a slight to not be, getting PT when you're 18, but he was kind of an afterthought when he transferred in. That that didn't get a lot of buzz. So kind of here we are, and fans and media alike are, are becoming more aware of the fact that they don't know what they don't know. This team is going to have to rely on the running game a lot this year. Um, you look up and down the the rock. I mean, we're, we knew this coming in, but you look up and down the roster, you look at the depth chart, there just is not a lot of talent on paper at the skill positions, particularly receiver and tight end. Um, Jaden Blue was supposed to be this, you know, this good stopgap guy. And as you guys mentioned, we, we don't really know um, why he has uh, so far fallen short of expectations, but he was supposed to be a starter coming into the season. He ain't starting, so that's that's not a a good sign, at least for the beginning of the season. Um, I know Caleb Smith had a, a a great spring game, and and he deserves credit for that, absolutely. But we all we've all watched Caleb Smith for the last four years. We know what kind of player Caleb Smith is. Um, he's not someone who is going to be a an explosive receiver and a reliable receiver that can put up really, really good production on a consistent basis. That receiver doesn't exist on this roster. So there's a, just a ton of questions on the offensive end. And as much as one may believe in Grant Wells' arm talent, because I do believe in his arm, I think he's got a really, really good arm. Um, 
it's not going to matter a whole lot if the guys he's throwing the ball to aren't getting open. And I think that's going to probably be a trend for most of the year. Um, we're going to, we're going to come on a lot of these podcasts and we're going to talk about how Virginia tech just doesn't generate separation downfield. I think that's going to be an issue uh, from start to finish. And that's why this running back room is so important. And of course, Malachi Thomas is hurt. So you're starting Jalen Holston, which um, for better, or for worse, he's the most experienced guy on the roster. Um, and they, they believe he's the most reliable guy. We'll see. Um, he's certainly going to be a physical player and, and I think he can get some stuff done there, but, um, Keyshawn King, this is a, this is a chance for Keyshawn with a brand new staff. He had, he's had a lot of issues holding on to the football, uh, got thrown in the doghouse on many an occasion under, under Justin Fuente and, and his group. Um, the, the running backs are really going to have to shoulder the load this year and, between them and the offensive line, that may make or break this offense. I'm my level of concern for the wide receiver group is really, really high. Like I went on the Sons of Saturday podcast about a week and a half ago and they asked me like what position group are you most concerned about? And I and you know, I said, you know, I was concerned about the depth on the offensive line, primarily a tackle, because tech gets young quick and this depth chart has proved that out, right? But as far as like the starting group and kind of like proven talent, I'm most concerned about wide receiver because we're asking a career number three option at receiver and Caleb Smith to now step up and be the guy. Like, I'm not sure that's reasonable. And that doesn't mean, and that doesn't mean, and that doesn't mean that Caleb Smith can't have a really good year or the best year of his career or, you know, could turn into somebody that historically he hasn't been because he hasn't been featured in the offense. Like I think he's going to have to be featured in the passing game anyway. Um, this is a, this is a new territory for him. This is a very much like a, a prove it type here. Cause I, I believe Caleb Smith has one year of eligibility remaining with COVID. I know he's a redshirt senior by roster. Um, but I believe he has a COVID year eligibility left as well. So like, He's going to have an option to continue playing college football if he wants to. And if you come out and have a really good year, maybe you exercise that option later. And I'm getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but like outside of like Caleb Smith, I would argue that the most talented receiver on the roster is Dewan Lofton. And he's only a sophomore and he played sparingly last year. And I think he's going to be really good. I think it's a chance to be really good but he's also unproven. Like we haven't seen enough of him yet. Just like we haven't seen enough of guys like Jalen Jones, who's buried on the depth chart. Right. And we haven't seen enough of, we haven't seen anything from Steven Gosnell. He's new. Jaden blue is an unproven ACC talent because he came in from temple. And like you mentioned, Andrew, one really good year at temple to subpar, not subpar, but like two mediocre years in comparison to what he just did before transferring to tech. So like didn't even scratch the surface. To be right. So like, there are a lot of questions and you know i again we're talking about william kakvitsis like a a former walk-on who's now on the two deep at three different positions at one wide receiver position at another and then at punt return so i mean this is a team that 
I think, you know, Ricky, you, you know, you said that, you know, tech could get to eight wins, you know, John, John had him at nine, you know, on, on the preview you guys did last week. Yeah. But I'm an idiot. We all know that. Well, I split I kinda, <laughs> I, and, and Andrew's got him at six. Like I split the difference. at seven. No, Andrew's got him at seven. Andrew's got him at seven. No, I, I got him at six with. I've got you down on seven and five as of maybe, last week. Maybe it, I, I did one on writing and, and one on a podcast. Okay, fair losses maybe, yeah, maybe for I'm you but against that, BC, Carolina, Pitt, Miami, and NC State and UVA. Oh. Uh, I think when I when I did it in writing, I might have actually added no. It. That is six and six. I can't count. There you go. I told you guys okay. I was an idiot. There you go. Anyway, I mean, but I mean, the point remains the same. Like I, when I look at the schedule, I see more wins than when I look at the roster. Yeah, because it's because when I look at the schedule, right, like, I see Virginia Tech, Lord, and I Lord. say Virginia Tech, we should be pretty good. Lord. And then it's like, <laughs> well, we went six and six last year with. A bunch of dudes who are in the NFL. Well, that's now gone. But we didn't have a quarterback. Maybe Grant Wells could be a quarterback. I've, I've, Grant Wells, I'm confident. Chosen Grant Wells highlights that lead me to believe that maybe this could be. I'm confident Grant Wells will give Virginia Tech better production than they got last year. Oh, God. Hard to get worse. Now, now I say that with the caveat that the production in terms of the raw numbers may not be all that much better. But in terms of play at the quarterback position, which we all know is not just uh, statistics and numerically based, I, I believe the level of play is going to be better and markedly better this season with Grant Wells I agree. than it was with Braxton Burmeister. And how much better do you guys feel about depth? I mean, we talk about depth issues across the roster, and I don't want to just like beat the Grant Wells drum, right? Like more than I need to, because I think like Ricky, I think he's got a huge arm. I think he has a chance to be pretty good. He has a chance to be a multi-year starter, which is huge. He's got three years of eligibility remaining. Wait, quarterbacks can start for more than one season. Isn't that incredible? I've never heard of that before. I mean, it's, it's been a decade since they've done it consistently. Like Michael Brewer was supposed to do it right. Then he got hurt. But like Virginia tech, you got to go back to Logan Thomas where they've had the same quarterback start like 24 games in a row, right? Like over two consecutive seasons. It's been a while and the quarterback room in particular, like you got to feel so much better about this group than, you know, you did last year. Right. Because I don't know, again, like Ricky mentioned, like, I'm not sure the overall passing production, like from a numbers, raw numbers standpoint, it might not be like markedly different, but what you feel better about is the depth where if Grant Wells gets hurt and the decision making, I think too, of course. Well, yeah, that, that too. But like if Grant Wells gets hurt, Oh, you, your backup is a guy who's won games in the SEC. Like, I get like I don't want to make make out Jason Brown to be like, you know, Bryce Young or something, but he's he's a proven power he is, five. He is not Connor Blumrick. He's not Connor. Yeah, he's not Connor Blumrick. Like, you're not throwing Knox Kadem out there. Like, it's now it's a I power am, five quarterback. I am disappointed that the Taj train seems to have come to a screeching halt. Yeah, I don't think that train's leaving the station at Virginia Tech. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm, I'm very sad that it's official that Taj time will not be happening anytime soon. Yeah, I think it's done. I think it might be. I I think the Taj train might maybe going elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> kind of surprised it didn't happen after the spring, but here we are. Defensively, like to help us transition. Taj train is heading for. Uh... 
Monmouth University. Yeah, right. Yeah, somewhere like that. Um, <laughs> Rutgers. The University of the North, you know, Andrew, like, go Rutgers, right? Birthplace of college football. That's that's right. Uh, Should I reserve our hotel for when Tech's playing in New Brunswick next season now? Andrew, how many, how many college teams do you root for? Tech. Tech. Duke. Duke. Rutgers. Rutgers. (laughs) Nebraska. Nebraska. (laughs) Half the Big Ten. (laughs) Not Michigan. (laughs) <laughs> like andrew andrew is like the definition of spreading out your risk so Wait that way that way you don't <laughs> put you don't put a nut, too many eggs in one basket andrew's got a lot of dogs in the race how many got lot, I, got lot, I got a lot of dogs i got well i mean like obviously tech is on a different level uh, but then i could have root against duke like what's, what's that ever done for anyone nothing <laughs> in football duke. really yeah nothing root, in root football. for wake because of uh Chase Mumba, root for uh, Wisconsin because my uncle played there. Rutgers because I have state pride from where I'm from. Uh, Nebraska because my friend lives there. <laughs> Honestly, though, like, what's the what, what have okay. we seen across the board here? Like, the only team I just mentioned that's any good is Wake freaking Forest. I know. I was going to say, like, how many <laughs> bowl teams are there out of the teams you just mentioned? <laughs> Not many. I think Wisconsin is is Wisconsin, back in a bowl yeah, game this year. Yeah, they'll be in a bowl they, they game. They were, yeah. The problem with Wisconsin is Wisconsin knocks up the door every year. Of like, it's November and you think like they knock on the door, they but the they Big never Ten, walk through, and it. then they get trounced by Ohio State, and that's it. That's it. Yeah. I think the, the the thing that got me most about this this defensive half of the depth chart was that the Jaden Keller hype was legit because yeah, it's real, man. He's now I, I say the hype was legit. I mean, in the sense that the coaching staff is going to start him. Do I, if he's going to be good, I don't know. Alan um, Tisdale wasn't at practice today. Yeah. They didn't and, say anything. Hmm, why it's, it's hmm. pretty, it's pretty right obvious. After, at right this after point. Breon Murray apparently is in trouble and we didn't hear about that either. I don't know. Yeah. Like Alan Tisdale, it seems like has fallen out of favor with this staff um, quite, quite quickly. Um, so Jaden Keller, man, you know, this is a, this is a huge opportunity for someone with a brand new coaching staff to, to completely write, rewrite the narrative on his career. And it's, you know, it's just starting. He's a retro freshman. Baptism by fire. My takeaway was the, uh, actually the other linebacker position, like Jaden Keller stood out to me, but then at CM linebacker with Kelly Lawson out, like Keontae Jenkins officially is that guy, like he's in there over J.R. Walker. So that's what I was, um, that's what I was keeping an eye on because David Cunningham had mentioned um, on tech sidelines podcast and he came on my ACC podcast. Like he mentioned that Kelly Lawson was probably going to start over Keontae Jenkins and Sam, if he was healthy, but then he got banged up and he was like, you know, it's probably Keontae Jenkins' job, but you know, keep an eye on J.R. Walker. He's had a pretty decent camp. Depth chart comes out. It is Keontae Jenkins job, Sam linebacker. So you know, that, that didn't necessarily surprise me too much, but you know, it was more of like a, a confirmation and then, you know, defensive end Virginia tech gets young quick, which I think we were all aware of, but like Jordan McDonald, um, being there right behind Taiwan Garba, we know Garba's going to be on, on the field for a ton of snaps, but for Jordan McDonald to, to be kind of on that too deep at defensive end, that was a little bit surprising. And then for Jaden McDonald, going back to the Will linebacker conversation, um, Jaden McDonald to be 
kind of like the number two ahead of Alan Tisdale is pretty telling, like you all mentioned, of kind of where Alan Tisdale is with his staff right now. It's not a good place. Yeah, something clearly is happening, whether that be on or off the field. But at least, you know, when it came to Jane Keller, there was hype. Uh, yeah. With Jade McDonald, you know, that all happened very quietly. And yeah. suddenly, you know, we had national publications talking about Hollyfield and Tisdale oh, as God. one of the better linebacker duos in the country. And then suddenly it's oh. like, okay, actually, you no, know, Tisdale's third string. Yeah. And it, it, that's just like exhibit 1,702,000 that the national outlets are completely lost unless it's a, 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 a an SEC team or like the top two programs in each of the other conferences. I was going to say it's got to be basically like a fringe playoff team yeah. or else it's just kind of like – Or else they don't care. Right. Like if once you get to like number 10 to 15 in the country, like you're going to get some scattered analysis from some national talking heads is what I was I saying. don't know there I know some dudes who work for national publications and they like don't sleep and no random facts about like well I feel like those Colorado guys are increasingly he's rare. hard to get in a podcast because he's busy these days but they're not all that bad I, I'm curious to see if Wilfred Panay can <gasps> can oh, run shit. himself into a bit you know a bit more playing time because it seems like Pollard Kendricks and Fuga are the top three there but <clears throat> Wilfred Pernay is someone who got a ton of uh, kudos from the previous staff, and he seems like he's kind of locking himself in as a, at least a rotational piece. And given the the depth issues on that defensive front, you never know when he might be needed. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, like his play is going to be huge, right? Because you listen to J.C. Price talk, and J.C. Price is a guy that's not going to pull a lot of punches, right? J.C. Price goes ahead and says – like, you know, we talk about Gunnar Gibbons and he's not going to sugarcoat it. Like, he's not there yet. He talks about the group as a whole. He's like, I have three guys that are game changers and I'm looking for my fourth. I'm looking for my fourth. So Panay is currently slotted into that role, right? Someone who didn't come in as a defensive lineman, if I remember correctly. Like, wasn't he like a... Came in as end. a tight end. A tight end, yeah. And, and then went to defensive end and then went to defensive tackle. Yeah. So, so now he, here he is on the interior in a position where rotation is pivotal and he is going to get playing time. You're as strong as your weakest link. Can he hold up? I think that, you know, if you want some, something to look at in the old dominion game that, you know, hopefully will be a game that tech can take care of business with relative ease. And we're all Virginia tech fans. We've watched Virginia tech over the course of the last decade. So that's obviously not guaranteed, but <laughs> say, say we do end up in a game. that's a little less stressful than it could be. Watch Wilfred Panay snaps. Cause if he is, you know, getting beat off the ball and not putting up much of a fight against the monarchs of old dominion, it could be challenging. And this is the game of football. We have to wonder what would happen if Darrell Pollard gets hurt, if Josh Fuga gets hurt? Because then suddenly you're going to have a guy like Wilfred Benet really thrust into the limelight. Is he even remotely ready for that? That's a question that we don't have the answer to right now. I mean, yeah. 
That's kind of the fun of this, man. We just there's so many questions that we don't have the answer to. It's going to be heavy on Fuga, Pollard, and Kendricks on the interior defensive line, and then, like you mentioned, Penne being kind of that fourth guy on the interior. If he's able to hold up, that's a pretty big development for Virginia Tech on the defensive line. Um, it's the roster as a whole, right? I talked about like I'm concerned about the starters at receiver. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about running back, even though I know there's a lot of like bodies there. Like it's kind of like, all right, we know Malachi Thomas is talented. Jalen Holson has been at this thing forever, but he's never really broken out. And Keyshawn King, we know he has talent, but he's never really been able to put it together consistently. Like offensive tackles a concern because of all the freshmen, the defensive lines a concern because a bunch of freshmen and sophomores, like if tech can hold up in the trenches, this is going to be a pretty good football team. I think. Um, and that was, and that was my point was that like tech needs to dominate in the trenches in this game against old dominion. Yeah. That's where the difference is really supposed to be between the power five programs and the programs in the Sunbelt and conference USA. You've got to be able to own the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And if Virginia tech can do that, then that'll be pretty impressive because that means they're going to have a fighting chance going up against the rest of the ACC. If they if they kind of struggle against Old Dominion, then that's a sign of bad things to come. And everybody's hyped up about, you know, uh, everybody's really glad J.C. Price was retained, and everybody's really excited about Joe Rudolph coming in as probably one of the most impressive hires on the entire staff. But, like, they're not miracle workers. Nope. They, they're really good coach. J.C. Price is a really good football coach. Joe Rudolph is accolades speak for themselves, right? Like, he's – He's a very, very good football coach. You'd be hard-pressed to find five offensive line coaches in the country better than Joe Rudolph. But they're not miracle workers, right? And if Tech can hold up in the trenches, I know we're going to dive in ODU now, but like if Tech can hold up in the trenches this season, period, this is a team that can get to their ceiling, right, of what I believe is like eight wins, um, what some say is nine wins. But if Tech doesn't hold up in the trenches on both sides of the ball, that's a different conversation because then I think you, your concerns about running back and receiver become a bit more warranted, right? Like then it's going to be harder for Grant Wells to have time to throw and it's going to be harder for running backs to find a hole, right? It's going to be harder for the defensive line to, to hold up against some of the better offensive lines that are going to play on the schedule. So then like the second level gets exposed a bit more because everybody's a little bit concerned about what Dax Hollifield's going to look like. Everybody's concerned about what everybody was concerned about what Alan Chisdale is going to look like a little bit less of a concern. Now that he's not really going to see the field all that much. It looks like. So other areas of the roster where like you feel like there's talent become a bit more exposed when those sore spots kind of crop up and, and become bigger issues than you anticipated. So, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of see, I think that'll be kind of the story of the year is how healthy Virginia tech will stay because the depth on this roster is just not very good. Yeah. I mean, dude, like, and that's kind of why I'm going into this with a little bit of a grain of salt or like, you know, maybe take a more hesitant approach because we talk about the ceiling and I'm with you, Mike. Like, I think the ceiling here is about eight wins, but to get to the eight win bar, there's like a whole bunch of ifs. If someone can emerge as a breakout wide receiver, if there's enough in that running back room, if Virginia Tech can remain healthy in the trenches and dominate, then this team could be all right. 
But I look at the one big if statement. If in the month of September, there's two injuries on the offensive line, two injuries on the defensive line, one or the other, you know, we're working with a moderate ceiling here and a really low floor. Like the floor is lava here. If injuries go awry on the offensive defensive line, that's no one's fault. Rome wasn't built in a day. You're right. Joe Rudolph is not a miracle worker. He's got a lot of young dudes to work with. And hopefully at this time next year, we'll be in a situation talking about tech where you feel like they have a true two deep. That's not the case right now. So, so yeah, right now it feels like a, a one, like a 1.25 deep. I was going to say, I was going to say like one and a half deep. <laughs> and, and that might be generous. Like, it's like you feel Some, good about Braylon Moore. From, that's because of what you've heard. Well, yeah, because like there's anytime you hear about a freshman potentially starting over a fourth year player, like I don't know if that says more about the freshman or the fourth year player, right? We'll find out. <laughs> we're going to find out. It would be pretty cool to see both Caden Moore and Braylon Moore um, starting on the same offensive line. And I will say, like, if you're going to have a freshman start, have him start on the, like, if you're going to have a freshman start on the offensive line, have him start on the interior, have him start at center, either one of the guard positions. Like a Silas Janzi injury, a Parker Clements injury, and I'm very, very, very concerned, very concerned. I'm less concerned if former all Big Ten honorable mention Johnny Jordan gets hurt, right? Even though it's Jack Hollyfield in center, he's playing center. You feel a little bit better about playing a young guy on the interior offensive line. It's the, it's the tackles. Still not ideal. Like, oh, man. No, it's not, it's not ideal. But like, if you had to, if you had to choose a blind spot, like imagine Jancy going out and then Xavier Chaplin is a true freshman is now protecting Grant Wells' blind side. Like, how are we feeling about that? Like, probably not great. And, and think about the defensive lines Virginia Tech has to play on the schedule in the ACC. The one that sticks out in my mind is Pittsburgh, where they have a front seven that's probably one of the best in the country. And they have a front four in particular where they go like eight or nine deep and everybody's as good as a starter. So it's like, think about that matchup here in like, in like a month and a half. And then think about true freshmen trying to protect a quarterback in that environment. It's just not, it would not be ideal. I'm rambling. Anyway. Oh, you're rambling about things that are, uh, that are correct, but ODU on the horizon. Tech's kind of start off this new era on the road. Obviously, Old Dominion holds a uh, special plate in, in the hearts of Virginia Tech football fans, and it's not a good one. It's rookie Rain, someone who knows Brent Pry very well, you know, for Old Dominion, this is their Super Bowl, but at the same time, no, it's Old Dominion. Rookie, you're our on-site reporter in the 757 and always has been, always will be. This is your moment. What do we know about the Monarchs? The thing that shook me the most when I tried to, to look into ODU is that Lala Davis is no longer on the roster. Um. For those who aren't familiar with Lala, he was a uh, a pretty productive running back out of Lynchburg. Uh, Virginia Tech was very close to offering him. They never pulled the trigger. Uh, 
he goes to Old Dominion, and he was ODU's second leading rusher last year. Um, supposedly, he played in the spring and is not on the roster. Um, I find that very interesting. There's and and if you do any sort of you know Google searching or you go to ODU's website, there's no information on it whatsoever. Um, the the thing that I'm I'm most pleased about is the fact that Hayden Wolf isn't really a mobile threat. Um, you always worry about mobile guys with any defense, but especially a defense that's you know kind of starting from scratch in terms of scheme and coaching and and all that stuff. Um, I'd be pretty worried if there was a quarterback that was a skilled improviser, and I don't think that Hayden Wolf is that guy. Um, this ODU team does return a lot of starters on offense. So that's kind of worrisome, but, um, we got to remember this was a six and seven team last year. Um, Ricky Ronnie has not been able to flip the talent base, you know, to, you know, to where he wants to get to in only, uh, what is now year three, even though year one was non-existent because they decided not to play. Um, but, I think, I think the thing that that gets me that makes me feel the most relieved is the fact that Hayden Wolf is not someone who, at least to this point in his career, has shown that he can really beat you with his legs. The concern, the concern I have, like if there, if there's one that sticks out, is defending against running back Blake Watson. Um, that's my concern now. I would know, have thought just, you would have picked Zach Koontz. Well, yeah. My my man's my, a six eight. Yeah, I mean, I I think the reason why I, I pick running back instead is because we just talked about our concerns with. Well, I could, I talked about my concern. I don't know what your guys' level of concern is with defensive line. That's my that's one of my major concerns, right? So like, if Virginia Tech can hold up in the trenches and if they're able to slow down a pretty dynamic running back in Watson, like I think fans can, and again I know it's ODU but Watson's a good player like I think fans can start feeling a little bit a little bit at ease going into the BC game knowing that like hey we got something to work with up front I know everybody's like confident the starters but even the rotational guys like being able to get enough pressure on the quarterback being able to slow down the run which is going to be key to ODU's offensive attack I think is really key and you know I look at this roster too and like they return a lot on the offensive side of the ball, right? Um, you mentioned Zach Coons. He's a huge, huge target. Um, he's going to be one of the top options for Hayden Wolf. But, like, this is an offense that returns 10 starters. And, you know, there is experience there against a Virginia Tech defense that has some experience of their own. Um, it'll be really interesting to see kind of how, how that plays out. I think in this particular game, it's kind of strength on strength, though, to use offense, Virginia Tech's defense. So, you know, interested to see how that plays out, but I, I think Virginia Tech stopping the run, it seems elementary, but I, I think it's going to be extremely important in this game. For me, it's, it's all about the nerves, right? I mean, you have a team that has never gone out in actual competition playing together. I mean, Caleb Smith has zero career receiving yards from Grant Wells, who's never played behind this offensive line. Malachi Thomas, we mentioned his talent. Well, 
Apparently today he was in a boot and using a cane. So take that as you will. The coaching staff could say all the good things they want about Jalen Holston. I've seen Jalen Holston play before. <laughs> I've Until, seen him no, tweet no, before and, too. And he's not, no, he's <laughs> not terrible. No, he's not. Don't get me wrong. Not terrible. He's a running back of the caliber that he should be playing in the ACC. As a, as a backup. <laughs> yeah i mean i mean he was never a true starter but I mean, like last year he wasn't getting stats at all and that might have been a fuente regime thing but nonetheless i mean when you go you know, on twitter I, I'm not gonna and constantly believe that complain this, about your your usage that's not surprising coach prize out there saying that he's the number one most consistent guy out there until proven otherwise i don't think it's a great thing yep absolutely i'm just being it's, being as honest as i can yeah, I mean it, it, it's absolutely right, and you can you can make that argument at several positions on the roster. We've made it about Caleb Smith. I've made it about Nick Gallo. Um, you could even you know go somewhere to like cornerback. You can make that same argument about Armani Chapman. Um, I mean, yeah, you can go up and down the roster and make that argument. So, I, I, absolutely, that's going to be. I mean, this is. This is on paper an extremely flawed roster, and um, you know it's it's helpful that they're starting in a game like this, which I think is a really it's it's a really good tune-up game because yes, this game is going to be a challenge, um, and it's on the road. I think that this is a good opportunity for Virginia Tech to to not play their best game but still find a way to win, and that's ultimately what I think is going to end up happening. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting because obviously it's the dawn of a new era. And it's been a long offseason. And especially, you know, with the new coaching staff and all this roster turnover. And we've just been out here throwing leap at the wall and hoping it sticks. <laughs> and now, to some degree, questions will be answered. And of course, a smart coaching staff who hopefully puts the Hokies in a position where this game isn't going to be a nail better down to the end and they can hold some stuff back for Boston college, but you know, we'll have answers in, even if it's a blowout in Virginia tech's favor in the beginning of the game, when it's not about the distribution of snaps among the running backs in the, you know, how much are we actually going to see Jaden blue? I mean, I'm in a position right now, gentlemen, where the thoughts that go through in my head during the day now include stuff like, hmm, maybe Kakavitsis is the next Hunter Renfro and you know the Fuente regime just couldn't see it. <laughs> At least with uh, Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson, you knew what you got. You're grasping at <laughs> <a> straws, <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it's likely, but I'm just like I trying know. to create a situation where... This is all going to sure, work out swimmingly, and it, it requires sure a nice. lot of imagination. Yeah, it does. It does, unfortunately. Year one. It's year one. Year one, game one. Here we are. The dude on ODU, the quarterback, and granted, resumes in college speak for themselves, but Wolf was a much higher touted recruit out of high school than Grant Wells was. Yes, sir. This is... A team 
who should be able to, without having to try too hard, really lean into that underdog mentality. You have a, a bunch of guys that were either not highly touted as recruits, guys who, you know, went to other schools like a Stephen Gosnell, who didn't really see the field particularly over the course of the first few seasons. And like, now here you are and look at that depth chart, folks. That's your Virginia Tech football team. There's no hoping that some backup offensive lineman transfer is going to come in over the summer. Summer's over. We're playing this week. Yeah. The team is what they are. And it's a question of, we're just three chumps speculating. And the difference between the worst possible case scenario, which is pretty bad, and what we imagine to be the best possible case scenario, which is a season that would be an improvement from last on paper, record-wise. And given the circumstances, we could all walk away from feeling pretty good about the staff and the team's chances to improve over the course of the next few years and maybe put a product together on the field that resembles what people expected at a Virginia Tech football decade ago. Those guys who were saying they are who they are, players can improve. Did this coaching staff get enough of those fringe guys to get that 10%, 20% better where they're more than just serviceable at this point? And the, and the two biggest examples of that are Dax Hollifield and Caleb Smith. <laughs> They're playing on two of the most important positions on both sides of the football. Like Caleb Smith has to be that number one guy at receiver and Dax has to be the anchor in the middle of the defense. Like, did we get that out of those two guys? That That's, and, and it's elsewhere too, but I think those are two most important ones. Yeah. I mean, and not to take a shot, but. If this is Dax Hollyfield from last year and Caleb Smith from last year is your captains and pivotal players on each side of the ball, they didn't improve. It's not going to be that great. Now, granted, it's going to be a rough year. Yeah. <laughs> Caleb Smith's got speed. And we've seen in the spring game and flashes over the course of his career that he's got potential. Dax Hollyfield has been a good player who has had He's just never been able to get over the hump. He and he had a bunch of different linebackers coaches over the course of the last few years. It's hard. Can this staff speak to him? Can Brent Pry, who's coached a handful of linebackers who made names for themselves in the Big Ten, and then in the case of guys like Micah Parsons, the next level as well, it's like, can that kind of voice get through to you? We don't know. And with those two guys, we did, we're not going to know from Old Dominion either. <laughs> but like I was saying before, can Wilfred Panay make a couple plays? Can we see DJ Harvey out there proving that as a rotational corner, he's taking a step up? Because there's a four-star recruit a couple of years ago who at the time was, I believe, the highest ranked recruit in his class. You know, that's something you expect. And I think that in a world where we're so used to instant gratification, 
a lot of people aren't open to the fact that like college football, the rules remain the same and guys generally aren't ready to play when they come in, when they're 18 and they'll get better over time. So yeah, Lofton could be a revelation. Harvey could have improved significantly. Jaden Keller could, and Jaden McDonald, maybe they just outplayed Alan Tisdale, who, while he was good, is another guy who you could say leveled out. We just don't know because we haven't seen the team play. <laughs> and that's why Friday's exciting. Not just because we get to see hokey football, but for people that like to look at it, you know, one step deeper and probably feel a certain sense of unease due to the amount of uncertainty that we have when we look at this roster, some questions will be answered. I know we're all hoping it's a win, expecting it's a win, and it's not the 28-point spread that they blew in 2018. It's, I believe, something closer to 10, 10 and a half. I haven't looked uh, today. Seven and a half, according to Caesars. Oh, so it's moving in favor of Old Dominion still. Yeah. Because I know it was 10, and then it moved down to like eight, and then it moved back to 10. Guess the money's still coming in on the Monarchs. So... And really transition. quick, before we like pick the, the ACC games, Andrew, you mentioned how like Dax has had different linebacker coaches throughout his time at Virginia Tech, and all that did was bring back awful, awful flashbacks of the Tracy Clays era. So uh, thank you for ruining my evening with Tracy Clays. Well, it's 11.41 p.m., so <laughs> former, <laughs> former Minnesota, right? Tracy Clays. <laughs> God. There's certain things that you just block out. <laughs> You're totally right, Ricky. There was a Tracy Clays and Jerry Kill era that coexisted. Yes, there was. Jerry Kill era was good. Man, I missed the Jerry Kill era. All the all of what, like six games? Yeah, that six game stretch was hot. <laughs> Someone came in and told Fuente what to do when he did it, and they rolled off. God forbid. Five games in six. Was it? Jerry Kill, Jerry, yeah, five out of six or six out of seven. Jerry Kill had the easiest job in the world. He literally just said, Hey, just start the better quarterback. It ain't that hard. It's like, play the better guy. It ain't that deep. Add New Mexico State to the list of teams I root for. You know what is deep? Is this 32 point spread between Wake Forest and VMI? I can't even see that. Where are you seeing that? I had to Google it. (laughs) <laughs> okay. I'm surprised Mike didn't have it on like on standby. Like, no, nah, I, I know a lot of the spreads, but I didn't go so far as to find the FBS FCS spreads. I'm yeah, I'm a Wake degenerate. Is... I'm a degenerate, Wake... but I'm also a father now. So you know, I gotta got <laughs> yeah. temper, temper degenerate <laughs> dad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I Mike's I, kids I... already not eating because Florida A and M put up that fight last week. So. <laughs> Oh, dude, I had a rough, I had a rough week. I had a rough weekend at the window. I, I bet on Hawaii, which was 62 to 10. I bet on, um, did you bet on Nebraska? I, I, I bet the, that was my other loss. I bet on the under in the Nebraska game that went over. Um, I'm just imagining you in like, okay, it's Saturday. Mike gets 30 minutes of peace, 30 minutes of unfettered, no work, no child. I have the under. And then Nebraska onside kicks. Just <laughs> unbelievably dumb. Just all time dumb. Like he outdid himself with that. And I will say the one bet I did win was Illinois kicking the ever loving piss out of Wyoming. Wyoming is so bad. 
like Illinois is not great, but Jesus, that that was that seemed like free money. But you know, that was the only bet I won. So I guess that's all right. Well, let's make our bets now. We're going, we're not going to bet the FCS games today. There's too many games. West Virginia and Pitt, the backyard brawl returns Thursday night. We are under 48 hours from that one, and I am excited. Pitt, a seven and a half point favorite. What do you think? I like Pitt. Um, I like Pitt close. I think they have the better quarterback. Two former USC quarterbacks playing in this game, Keaton Slovis for Pitt, JT Daniels for West Virginia. I think Keaton Slovis is the better quarterback. I think Pittsburgh is the better team. They have the better defense. I think they win, but I think it's close. Um, it's, it's a rivalry game. It's going to be a hostile environment at what was formerly Heinz Field. It is going to be a hostile environment because if there's one game that they're going to pack the stands for, it's this one. It's backyard brawl. Um, yeah, so get, give me Pitt in a close home win in a raucous environment at Acrisure Stadium. So does a close home win constitute a seven-and-a-half-point cover? It does not. I, I think I think West Virginia covers. I think Pitt wins close, though. Rick? So the Acrisure State Field or Stadium, whatever the hell you just whatever call it, is. it will yeah, still be is. referred to bottle. as the catch-up bottle. bottle on the podcast. Fair. Um, I'm with it. Give me Pitt with the points and also give me VMI with the points. I'm betting on that game anyway. Hell yeah. All right, Ricky's got VMI. I'll write that down. <laughs> <laughs> Go key debts. That's my there's that's a tie. My bonus pick for the week. <laughs> if there's a tie, it'll uh, come down to that at the end of the season. Yeah, we'll count that game if it's a tie. All right. Duke and Temple with Duke as a seven-point favorite. Will we be seeing Quincy Patterson in this game, Mike? Oh, uh, maybe. I'd rather off myself than watch this game. Um, give me uh, – can I say that? <laughs> It's 11.46, and we have gone completely off the rails by talking about the key debts and offing ourselves rather than watching Temple and Duke. Well, I mean, yeah, I I don't know. Maybe. And no, Mike, you're not allowed to say that. You have a child now. Yeah, what, are we going to get canceled? Are we going to lose our sponsors? Our sponsor's Jeremy. Our sponsor's (laughs) already been canceled. What am I I worried about? Um, (laughs) Jeremy's Jeremy's not going to be offended by that. Uh, We love you. Jeremy. Give me, uh, give me to, Duke. To, we keep giving us a little bit of money. <laughs> give me, give me, give me Duke. This will be one of like Duke's three wins this year. Give me Duke. Uh, Temple because Duke is. I don't think Duke can beat anybody by seven. So I'll take. Oh well, I'll take. Well, I'll let me take Temple against the spread. I, I like Duke. Oh tonight, right. come on, Mike. I'm not taking Duke by more than a touchdown. Jesus God. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking Temple with the points. Three letters, gentlemen. D. D, D. Common shorthand D, yeah. for don't doubt Duke. <laughs> Common shorthand. <laughs> that is a homer pick. <laughs> like, they'll never be favorites again. So. Huge Mike Elko guy. <laughs> hey, Mike Elko was a finalist for the tech job. Yes, certainly possible. That's uh, what the sources are saying. It was... Elko and Pry and Billy Napier, who obviously went in a different direction on his own right. So we'll see how that turns out. Really quick, yeah. how about Pry sending the selfie to John Boleyn? Yeah, I read like, that. Like what yeah. a what a badass. Like I hope he did it with like without a shirt on and like oh, interesting. in like board shorts. Like what like you in see. The, yeah. You like what you see, John? <laughs> That's a tomb like 1 30 a.m. <laughs> 
<laughs> with his wife next to him. His wife's like, yeah, send it, send it, send it. Send him the send him the you up text. <laughs> yeah. You up, you down. <laughs> and now DTH down. It's to almost one thirty a.m. here, so we're gonna keep going. <laughs> NC State and East Carolina. <laughs> NC State only an eleven and a half point favorite in Greenville. Oh man, um, NC State can cover that. <laughs> I like NC. I like NC State. I'm I'm on NC State too. I like NC State. Yeah. We'll pack across the board. Uh, Carolina, a half point favorite <laughs> at what? App State. Yeah, man. Man, Mac Brown. Right, down one, bad. one and a half. One and a half. Excuse me. One and a half point. Favorite. Oh my goodness! But nonetheless, it was half point. Though. You watched them play last week, Ricky. They don't look that good. I actually did, and I was working. Um, God, I'd love for them to lose to App State. That'd be fantastic. Um, I'm always down for a Carolina loss. Anyway. Yeah, like literally in any situation, in any sport. Yeah. Um, on the road yeah i'm gonna go with app state because why not going to boone is a tough place to go play it's a beautiful place to play um real part of the state is phenomenal it is it is a raucous atmosphere they have this game circled um it's a sellout carolina has a freshman quarterback and drake may their defense did not look particularly good despite all of that I do think Carolina's the better team. I think they win in a very close game. Give me a Tar Heels. Do they win by more than one, though? Yes, they win by two. (laughs) (laughs) Safety. Safety. Safety with 30 seconds to go. They run a two point they run a two point conversion back. I don't know. What are we doing? I don't. Hmm. I'm gonna pick App State. Why guy? Okay. We got a, we got good reason to feel low about Carolina, Florida A and M University, who obviously shouldn't be competing with Carolina that much in general, was down like twenty players due to academic ineligibility. Like they almost didn't play the game in general, and they kept it tight for three quarters almost. Like all those twenty four points were given up by first team Carolina. That's because Carolina was looking ahead to App. Yeah, they should be. That's yeah. good, which is why they're going to win this well, game. Should be. Like, they should be because they might lose. That's yeah, right. Yeah, you know, Mac Brown's worried. He like he should be worried about App State, but Mac Brown don't care about App State. I agree. Which is why they're going to lose. Okay, Louisville and Syracuse. Louisville four and a half point oh favorites God. on the road. Louisville the JMA Wireless Dome. Louisville, Louisville by double digits. I don't understand this line at all. I don't get it. Louisville by double digits. I, Syracuse has a pretty decent defense returning. They have Sean Tucker, all that, but Louisville's defense um, can make Syracuse one-dimensional, and I don't necessarily trust, even though Syracuse is a pretty decent defense returning, I don't trust their corners to defend these young, athletic Louisville receivers against that passing attack. Give me Louisville. Weird stuff happens in the Jiffy Pop Dome, especially at night. So... Give me the orange. Take the orange. Sean Tucker. I don't know much about Syracuse. Don't have much reason to, but I know Sean Tucker's good. And ESPN picked them to win like seven games. 
Why not? That would save Dino's job. I know, for better or worse. Uh, missed hmm. this one. A nooner. Rutgers Boston College in Chestnut Hill. Jesus Christ. I was wondering Boston if you College, were going to... seven-point favorite. I was wondering if you were going to let us bet on Rutgers because you know I'm betting on Jeff Halfley. We'll write Ricky in. Uh, got Rutgers. BC win. BC wins close. I'm I'm on Rutgers against the spread. Greg Schiano is a hell of a coach. I don't think BC's team returning is very good. Like Phil Dracovic's good, but I, I'm not sure about. I, I like they they can make a bowl game and stuff, but like I don't. I don't know. Are they better than Tech? Tune in next week. To find I think out. they're in the. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think it's like a coin flip. <laughs> That'll be a coin flip game. That's yeah. I got records. Greg Schiano, the man, the myth, the legend. Florida State, LSU, LSU, a three-point favorite at home. Actually, no, neutral site, Superdome. Stop playing college football games at neutral sites in the regular season. It drives me insane. Uh. I actually like Florida State here. I really like Bysaw Jordan Travis. I think their defense is playing well. They have nice, stable running backs. I get that it was Duquesne. It was an FCS school. But you check the boxes of what you're supposed to do in a week zero game against that caliber of opponent. Um, LSU, they haven't formally announced who their quarterback is yet. Uh, Brian Kelly had a lot of guys leave the program. Um, you know, when he came in, there's a lot of question marks. I love I love Florida State in this spot. North Bell is looking for a signature win. Like there's a lot of reasons to really like Florida State here. So give me a nulls and upset. The Brian Kelly era is doomed to fail. Um, I'm pretty confident in that. And I think this is like it, we're gonna get started right off the bat. So give me Florida State uh to cover that. Mike, are you as against like neutral site games if it's like Florida, Georgia, and Jacksonville, or is this just like a it's it more like, like case by case basis. I would say more case by case. Like I'm cool with Florida, Georgia, and Jacksonville. Um, just because that's like that's been a thing forever. I, I don't love like the Chick-fil-A kickoff games. I don't like like I'm not crazy about that. I would rather see like I'd rather see Florida State go to Death Valley. Yeah. On, on Sunday night. Like I, that's what I that's what or, I or or LSU go to Tallahassee. Or LSU go to Tallahassee. Um, like that's I would prefer as much prefer that. Also, Bethune Cookman covering forty-five against the Canes. Dear God, Ricky's going down a dark path. <laughs> I mean, somebody—I had a kid. I had to like temper myself. Somebody had to do it. Somebody had to carry the torch. Ricky's out here picking eight wins, betting on Bethune Cookman games. It's a brand new man. Somebody's got to uh, do it. Uh, second to last one here before we pick Tech. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Yeah. yeah this God. one uh, will be, despite the fact that it's located in the hometown of the heavy underdog here, Georgia yeah. Tech coasted Clemson, as they do every year and will continue to, uh, bless their hearts, as we say in the South. 22 and a half. Hide your kids, hide your wife. Give me Clemson. I. This is the... Uh... I might be in the minority with the the DJU redemption tour, but I do think he's going to be much better. I think Clemson's going to be really good. Their their defense is outstanding. Like Georgia Tech might have trouble crossing midfield for a while. Like this is I get Georgia Tech played them close last year. Clemson had like 
two really weird like red zone turnovers that should have been like a 30 to nine game or something like that end up being closer than it needed to be. Give me Clemson. They're going to cruise. Clemson or the field ACC champion. Oh, I think from a betting standpoint, you got to take the field because there are, you know, I, I personally think Clemson's going to bounce back. Right. But like, if they don't, there are some candidates who can absolutely step up and, and kind of take the reins, you know, wake Forest with healthy Sam Hartman, like later in the year would be a candidate. NC state's got their best team under Dave Dorn on paper. Pitt still has a really talented team returning, even without Pickett and Jordan Addison. Everybody's high on Miami. I'm, I'm not quite there yet, but you know, they could be a team that could step up. So I would, I would take the field from a betting standpoint. I'm, Nikki, how do you feel about this game? I, I am not on the DJU redemption tour, but uh, I do believe Clemson can cover just about any spread against Georgia Tech. Um, all the cool kids seem to be dunking on. Um, Collins. Yeah, and j- just the entire program in general, which, hey, is, it's worthy. Yeah, Jeff Collins, is, is it may be done after this year, so um, I'll go ahead and take Clemson to win that game and cover that spread. Yeah, this is the uh, the beginning of the swan song tour for Jeff Collins. Uh, big national television in Atlanta. Blowout. They're going to get absolutely swamped. <laughs> Blowout, yeah. They're gonna, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I have absolutely no intention of watching this game. Somebody somebody needs to get us a report of the message boards uh, during and after this game. Joey Weaver. Joey Weaver, yeah. Yeah. Joey. Shout out to him. Uh, okay, last but not least. What'd you say it was? Tech, seven and a half point favorites? Seven and a half. Yep, seven and a half. Seven and a half. On the road. What do we think? Um, man, this is like, this is really tough. I'm going to go with ODU in the points. Um, I think Tech wins, but like, this is going to be a really frustrating game if you're a Tech fan. Like, Yes, we understand that this that, that Virginia Tech is not going to be all that great this year, most likely. We understand that this roster has a lot of holes. But anytime you face an in-state school like ODU, like you internally just want to wipe the floor with them. And I don't know that Virginia Tech is going to be able to do that in this game. And I think it's going to be uh, very uncertain for a large portion. But I do think Virginia Tech holds on uh, and escapes with a win and gets themselves uh, – kind of knocks the rust off, gets their feet wet, and then they can start worrying about BC. I think um, – Oh, and I guess I got to give a score. So we'll go 20 uh, – actually, no, we'll go, we'll go 31 to 28. It's, I, it's interesting, uh, Ricky, that you had Tech and 8 wins but not covering – the touchdown spread against Old Dominion. It's the first game. They they've got a lot of a lot of kinks to work out, I'm sure. I think ODU keeps it close for a while. Uh I think Tech pulls away and wins by two scores. Um I got like 28-13. I think it's gonna be a little lower scoring. Oh, um, you took almost my exact score. I'll change oh, it a little bit. Sorry. Well, all right. We'll give Old like Dominion some credit. Give me right. uh Give me Tech 28-17. Double digits. All right. Three wins, two covers, and a close one. We're good. That that's it all counts as one and zero. 
Yeah. 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 One another across the board. We can't bet on this game in Virginia anyway, so good shit. Chances of Virginia. Can't Tech bet on anything here in North Carolina. Woof. <laughs> Chances of Virginia Tech losing this game are like sub 20%. I was going to say sub 30. Okay. That's interesting. So I'd say Tech has about a seventy percent chance to win. Wait, so Andrew and I both wait. Time out. Andrew and I both. Yeah, picked, yeah. You guys both picked them to cover, but I have them as, I yeah, close win at sub twenty percent. That's funny. I love it. This podcast doesn't make any sense. Never has. Never will. Because we're all hungover. That's why it's a hooky hangover. It's true. Yeah, uh, I wish. I wish I could drink. Fuck's <laughs> God, I'd love to be hungover. Right God. Now. <laughs> notifications haven't been coming in as hot recently have they yeah, she's like time. lay me out on the couch with a with a half finished bottle of jack and god i i'm just trying to make sure i find time to drink water so i'm <laughs> i'd water for dinner tonight <laughs> we're rolling main street pharmacy is our sponsor go there for your prescriptions we will be back to review this game. It's football season, my friends. Enjoy it. Live it up. Enjoy your Labor Day. And we'll talk to you soon. Until then, go Hokies.